that time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And week one of the final series is in the books. And I don't think any surprise box had the Broncos and the Panthers. First ones to book a spot in the prelim and a nice week off. Yeah, two dominant teams. And probably what we expected, I think. Yeah. Uh, there were some question marks with Penrith in particular, I think. But once we had Sean Johnson drop out, that certainly made the job a lot harder for the Warriors. And Brisbane, I guess the question was the hoodoo. And uh, the hoodoo's over, but... You know, it, was a, it was a rough old night for Melbourne fans, supporters, and certainly their team and staff. It was, yeah, not a lot went right for them. No, nah, I watched it finally. I didn't get to see it on the night because I called a game and had a good look at it. Uh, I think probably more frustrating. It's not to take away from Brisbane. I thought we had periods where we controlled the game, but particularly our attack was dreadful. Mm. And we've basically said as much the other week. Between Munster, Harry, Hughes, across the year, there's not many games where they've all been on song. It's sort of been individual performances here or there. Harry, when the middles have done well, Hughes has probably had a really good six to eight weeks. I honestly don't think Munster's had a real standout game this year. He's been okay at times. Uh, but Meany's probably been the most consistent piece of the spine. But, yeah, watching them, I think Bellamy pretty much summed it up. He gave plenty of credit to Brisbane, but he did also, did just mention that it looked like they'd just met each other in terms of the way they attacked. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there was... Probably the first part of the first half where they're on the back foot and then thought they controlled the back end of the half but couldn't get any points for it. And similar in the second half, and then there was sort of a critical period there, which we'll talk about, that really closed things down. But um, today's show, we were going to split it up, but because I'm on bloody night shift, it's a bit hard to do so. We're going to put everything all into one. So we will review the week one finals games. We'll preview week two. We're not going to have the lineups available, but you know it's only two games. I'm pretty sure we can accurately figure out what's going to, what our tips really are going to be. I yeah. think the only one we're not sure of is the Roosters back line, but good luck with that at the moment. They've got that many bloody injuries. Yeah. Um, I think there'll be a couple of back rowers probably pushed out into the centres, so we'll have a rough guess of what's going to happen there and preview those two games, and we'll review the seasons of the Sharks and the Raiders. But to kick us off, this show is brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you can have a bet with anyone, make sure you do it with the true blue bookie. And $112.50 into the kitty for the charity, Nathan Cleary. Thank you very much. Yeah, nice late one too. Last yeah. time <clears throat> well, he, he was for you. good throughout the game, ran plenty. He did. Um, created yeah. for everybody, so I had a bit of hope. And I, again, didn't get to see that one live, but the message came through and then I saw it and thought, beautiful. Yeah. Um, second yeah. one was tossing up on that Newcastle game, Frizzell or Gagai, and uh, I probably should have went with Gagai. <laughs> but Frizzell had a HIA. Had some good involvements, but definitely didn't look like he was going to score. So, mm. no cash there, but we're now up to $1,260.50 for our charity. So, that's a positive. And Absolutely. Every dollar makes a massive difference. Hopefully, you can get a, a few more wins in the last few weeks that we've got here before the season closes out. And uh, thank you again to bluebet.com.au. Power rankings updated with the six teams and their likelihood to win the premiership. I think this is quite easy. To pick now, obviously, with the prelims, but that's brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. There is no one better than Penrith Solar Centre. Jake and the team there, 1800-2930, Visit the showroom at Bat Street in Jamison Town. Um, tell you what, it's a hell of an experience if you're a bit of an electricity junkie, but one and two for me hasn't changed. I've still got Penrith as 
the most likely, and Brisbane, I've got at number two. Yeah, I got the Broncos. I flipped them last yep. week. I think they're just, to me at the moment, they look more powerful. Uh, they look quick. I just like the style of footy that they're playing. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they were facing off in a grand final today, I'd I'd lean towards the Broncos. Yeah, and I think mine... Like Penrith at two, obviously. Mine is the opposite for the point. Like, you're making, I watched a game like the other day. I think Penrith did what they needed to do. Look at what Melbourne sort of did and then think if that was Penrith... In that sort of situation in that game, I think Penrith win. Yeah, and I think we're going to have this debate until we see them play. Until we see them play. And hopefully we do get to see them play. Well, uh, for this year, let, let's be honest. I know it's a week out and we don't know if it's going to happen, but it, it'd only be right given what's happened this year if these yeah. two played each other. And I'm just going off my gut and my yeah. eye. I, I'm looking yeah. with my eye and going with my gut. I, I think Brisbane are the best team at the moment. Yep. Uh, I've flipped the Warriors into three because of the side of the draw they're on. Again, who would be more likely to go and win a prelim out of these two? I think Storm now going to Penrith's side of the draw after losing to Brisbane. I, yeah, I think their chances I find this really, really hard like to split these last four teams because... Well, I've got Warriors at three still. I think last week for them, when Johnson pulls out, Tohu's under a cloud, you yeah. travel. Well, the, I'm not, I'm not so saying the reason, they rolled over, but it was almost like, well, you know, we're going home next week. We've got yeah. a home final. The reason I'll keep them at three is because I think they've got the most significant advantage in their home field. Yes. So I'll, I'll keep the Warriors at three for that reason. Yeah. But I almost want to put the Knights at four because I think those two are probably the, the best two teams remaining out of, the, out of the last four. Like, I've got massive question marks over the Roosters, because of injury, and I've got massive question marks over Melbourne just based on what I saw on Friday night. Yeah. Like, I, I I do not think either of those teams can go and beat Penrith. So I think even if they win this weekend, whoever wins that game, you're not going any further than no. that prelim anyway. Whereas I look at Warriors, if they can get Sean Johnson back, yeah. and I look at Newcastle, and I think I still think they're going to be massive outside of Brisbane. But I, I really think that they, like Brisbane have actually ended up with the tougher side of the draw, which yeah. is what should happen because the minor premiers were the Panthers. Yep. Brisbane should have the tougher prelim, and I think that's how it's, how it's panned out. Well, Unless we see a significant form reversal from Melbourne or the Roosters this yeah. weekend. Like, to be fair, if you're Penrith, you're not excited about playing Melbourne or the Roosters because nah. they're both proven championship teams. They've got a lot of uh, origin international class players and guys that have been at this level and, and done it over a long period of time, but... If you're ever going to get either of those two teams, now's the time. Now's the time. That, that side no. of the draw. It's certainly not what they could be. Coming to Sydney, busted, and then now having to travel yeah. back down to Melbourne. With a week off. With a week off. With Like I said, it wasn't an argument then, but everyone's like, oh, resting this, that, the other. I'm like, if you really look yeah. into it, right? No one's played more football the last four years than Penrith. Penrith's played yeah, all the way through the grand yeah. finals. They had more people than anyone go to the World Cup this year. People questioning them resting. The resting for them this year was needed. Yeah. And it was right, and then you just saw the weekend. They like, still won the minor premiership. But even Tago again on the weekend. They rolled Garner in. They've rolled Husk. They've rolled lots of people in. So yeah. they've proven. That but Garner, like, I, Garner did a magnificent job there. I, I thought Garner, and I said this at the start of the year, was going to be a great buy. And he had some problems and injuries, and they mm. rested him for a bit, and then he mostly stayed in cut. But yeah. just yeah. looking at Penrith, when anyone talks about the resting, I'm like, I don't look at Penrith like they're resting for the no. sake of resting. They're resting because they've played more football than anyone for the last four years. Yeah, they also they know what they're doing. They've got data on the last two years, how exactly. to win comps, what that looks like from a physical preparation point of view as well. And again, they, they come in, they do what they need to do, they get two weeks now, I'm sure Tago will be available. And even again, this is the scary part about Penrith. If he's not available or he's not close, they won't risk him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because they know they've got enough quality to cover up and they've done that multiple times this year. Yeah. Um, but I've left Warriors at three. Again, I, I think last week, you lose Metcalf and then you lose Johnson. The talk about Tohu all week, they're just... 
the more noise that came out of it and then coming to Penrith Blue Bet, like we said, it's almost a fate complete. Mm. Um I don't really take much away from that game. I've left the storm at four mainly because of what the Roosters are dealing with. We've got some injuries and some HIAs, but they've got more concerns than anybody. So you've left two at four? Melbourne at four, because I just think the Roosters are much more wounded than us, and if we don't win that game, I think it's going to be embarrassing, to be honest. So I think we'll be in a prelim, yeah, but I, I can't I'd see like us getting to, past I'd Penrith. like to rank them. I'm going to, I, I honestly believe what I just said. I'm going to rank the Knights at four. Well, I've got, I think whoever gets through that game has got a better chance of winning the prelim. Yep. Well, I've got them at five, and the only reason why, again, golden point, extra time, um, 10 in a row. Like I know you ride that way for so long, but now they're going to New Zealand. Yeah. I think that's really, really tough. I'm not saying they can't get it done, but I think ideally I wouldn't have liked to have played 90 <laughs> minutes in the fashion of game that they played and now be heading over to play the Warriors in a full blackout at their stadium. Yeah. So that's why I've got them at five and the Roosters rightfully. I think they've overachieved considering where they have got to at this point in time. I'm not going to give them a pass mark for the season though for what the expectations were, but to get oh. to this point with what they've dealt with mm. and a lot of the noise around them, um, but with all the injuries they've got now, I think this week, is going to be a big challenge. Yeah, I'll throw Melbourne at five and then the Roosters at six. Yep. But again, I, I really can't split them either. And you know the best thing about I, this? I did think, like we're going to review the games, yep. I did think the Sharks should have won that game. They should have. And that's not to take uh, away from the Roosters. No, it's but not. The Roosters... Man, they were tough. To win just six in a row. Shit. Yeah. Like, I, I would not have had, you know, a hundred of your money on, on no. them making the finals Ooh. after uh, watching them... You know, we watched them that day at Brookie, and yep. they, they were good that day. They were good. Manly were excellent that day. Uh, and then they played each other about two or three weeks later at the cricket ground. It was a bit of a bludger of a game, and I thought, you know, that probably ended Manly's season. And yep. Yeah, looking at the Roosters that night, I thought, yeah, I, I just can't see it. I can't see him no. going on a run of five. But And they did. They did. And, and people said, oh, well, spot in the finals. They, they, the played, teams they, they played a final. They played two finals in a row now, yeah. really. Well, people are like, oh, the teams they beat. But then I heard that argument for Newcastle. Well, like, cares? oh, they had a soft run. I'm like, well, they beat Melbourne. They beat South. They, they, yeah. you, got, you can only beat who's in front of you. Correct. The point is they got there. That's and exactly we were right. all death riding them just like we death rode Newcastle at the halfway point. So for those two in particular to get in the way <laughs> they did, yeah. they can be extremely proud of what they've done. Yeah. And for the Roosters, like Robinson's copped some barbs this year. And it's like, well, considering what he's put up the last decade, it's a bit rough to be putting the noose around his neck. But... Um, to respond with the group that he's got and the players that he's had and all the noise that's come out of the joint. I'm mm. sure internally, like I said, they, they won't take it as a pass mark, but from where they were to where they've got to, yeah. Um, as a club and as a group, I'm sure they'll be pretty happy with the way things have paired out. I think mm. I doubt they'd be under any illusions that they're going to win the competition. Let's be honest. No. But considering what they've been through this season to get to week two, and if they were to somehow get to a prayer, then my God, that would be massive considering what they've dealt with. Yeah, it would be. But... Uh, yeah, that wraps up the power rankings. Thanks to Penrose Solar Centre, Jake and the team there. Let them help you, your family, and put some money back in your back pocket. Penrosolar.com.au. What do we do? Let's kick off with the match review, shall we? Do them first. Uh, Broncos Storm, 26-0. Uh, I thought the Broncos obviously set a great standard with that first set, and I don't understand what the bloody hell Harry Grant was trying to do, pick a fight first up. Yeah. Um, there was a lot in the commentary from Parker and these people that they're trying to niggle. They're trying, like, I don't think it's anything to do with that. No, it's not about niggling. They were trying to be physical. Trying, trying to be physical. Set a standard. Trying set a standard. To, uh, upset the Broncos a little bit, I think, which is fair enough. Mm. But yeah, for the most part, um, after watching it afterwards, and I got different differing messages from different people. So you told me what you sort of thought. Two or three people. Oh, I, I was pretty. I, I was pretty confident that Brisbane. Brisbane were going to win. Yeah. Yeah, and I know a lot of people. 
I had a few messages for people going like, why do you, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel so strongly? And they were talking about the record of Melbourne. It's, again, it's just well, I, I didn't based on Melbourne. what I see. If it, if it becomes a f- game of football, and you know one team you know doesn't poop themselves or get deer in the headlights, mm. and it becomes a game of footy, I thought Brisbane were the better team. That was, that was it. That's mm. all it was. And like you said in the power ranking segment, the you know a few of the guys from Melbourne have been out of form. Yeah, I'm not overly confident that they can beat the better sides this year. I think their professionalism, their class, their work ethic uh, gets them through beating the majority of the teams, you know, from the mid to the bottom of the table, which is why, again, they find themselves in the yeah, top four. 16 and 8 in the top four. Right. So I, I just I just don't trust them against the better teams this year. No, no it's all. been That's taken that. nothing away from their players or their coaches. Lost to the Panthers twice. They went one and one with Brisbane. Yep. Um, actually, yeah, no, one they, of those was a... Sorry, didn't they go 2-0? and oh? They beat Brisbane early in the year, didn't they? They might have, yeah. But the second game the second was a write-off because it was yeah. two Q Cup teams. Um, so, yeah, for a majority of what's in the top four, you know, their record wasn't that great. But, yeah, I, I sort of watched this and the biggest frustration is what I said last week. It's just week to week and even inside a game, like Melbourne can look like one of the worst teams in the comp. They can look like one of the best teams in the comp within the space of 15 minutes. Yep. But the spine in particular all year has just been that disconnected. There hasn't really been a game where I felt all of them were on song. It's either mean he's had a you know really good night or he's been a seven or eight every week. Munster, I think, has just sort of done his job. Hughes has had a really good six to eight weeks. Harry's had dominant games and then he's had a couple of Barry Crockers. Like the other night, he wasn't great either. Yeah. But then that's also the reflection, similar deal that I've said all year about the forward pack. I've really felt that the forward pack's been underwhelming, particularly in the middle. It sort of feels more like Melbourne a la like 14, 15, where we had a couple of years there where we went out. Yeah. And we were a bit smaller and we had a lot of toilets. That's not to say guys aren't trying. Like, they're definitely trying. Your Lieros, your Kings, your Eisenhoofs, but it feels like now we've gone more back to what we had before. When you have that exodus of talent, we're sort of lacking a bit of impact in class. It feels like we've got a lot of toilets in our pack. Yeah. And to be honest, there's been other guys that have been disappointing as well. Like Nelson this year off the back of that huge contract extension. I think he's been really disappointing. Like, just throwing it out there, general physics says if you're 130 kilos and you run hard and straight with a full head of steam, you generally come out the other side or you get to play the ball. A lot of the time, he picks like a one-on-one, slows down, wants to fend or, you know, just sort of like, mate, get two or three wide, get a head full of steam and fucking punch holes for us. Yeah, looking at their team, I think I would have sort of picked the team differently. I would have had Pappenhausen starting. I would have had Nelson the starting team. I would have had Morella on the bench too. Yeah, I, I thought that was a miss. She was good the week before. Now, he had a good month. And like, then just load it up and say, here's my best 13. I'm going to keep him out here for as long as possible. I and thought Tui was good. Beat him. But yeah, there was other guys like Welch. and Particularly to start the game, I think. You know, I would have liked to have rattled Brisbane a little bit early. Yeah, and I, I sort of felt, like you said, first 15-20... Errors, penalties, opportunities. They gave plenty to Brisbane. They were pretty solid on their goal line. Stags obviously got them in that eighth minute. Um, anytime it sort of felt like we were swinging momentum, it went the other way. Like you have the error and a repeat set, and then Reynolds puts that dropout in where Munster misses it completely. Yeah, but part of that is like when you defend your goal line early in games, it gasses you for the back end. Mm. So a lot of people say, you know, they've done a great job there defending their line, which is which is true. But also, they probably don't take into account the impact that has late in the game. But you know, the sadder part, I felt we controlled the back end of the half. We really had that last 20. Yeah, I'm talking more, you know, last 20 of the game. In, mm. in this particular game, it didn't matter because the game was over. But No, but second it's part not of the half, make a habit. you know, we've sort of flipped the field and even despite a couple of HIAs, we had dropouts, penalties, opportunities, and we couldn't really come up with anything. It was basically what we said before. Yeah, either you know poor passes, Harry putting that kick in from dummy heart, just little things like that. You're looking at going, well, that they really don't look like they've got any idea what they want to do. 
and then trying to shift in the rain. A lot of the time they've done that off a slow play of the ball. Inside defenders release. Coates has to come back and field or Warbrick has to come back and field. It's just sort of same old, same old. Get back to the middle, set up again, see what we can do. Um, a lot of it fell flat, but second half, the real critical period um, on the back of the dropout penalty, which gave him the two-score lead. Cobo makes an error straight away. Hughes kicks on play three. No idea what's going on there. Harry has that kick. Two really good opportunities, just shit house. And then the Broncos get a dropout. Walsh beats Young, you know, on that sort of sweet play. Next set after points, we give a penalty, flip the field straight away, and then Riki scores. That period there between the dropout, making an error, and the penalty off the kickoff to flip the field, back-to-back-to-back sets, they go bang-bang. And then after that, it just sort of felt like a bit of a fait accompli. Um, It's 20-zip, you know, penalties, frustration. The the attack didn't get much better. And for any time, like I said, when I really watched it and looked at it physically at what we did defensively, it was more the attacking side of the ball. I just looked and thought, I have no confidence that we're going to score any points. Mm. For any part of control, tackles inside 20, we had more than enough. Just felt like we couldn't do anything with the ball. Yeah, And I will, I'm not saying any of that's not to do with their defense. Their defense is improved markedly. They were number two this year for a reason. I, I just thought they hammered you through the middle of the field as well. Yeah, I, I thought they certainly were better in that regard. Haas was excellent. Pat Carrigan was excellent as well. I thought their bench was probably the one thing that really stood out to me. Palacier mm. and Hetherington really come on made a difference when they got on. Uh, Walters has certainly improved across the year. Reynolds kicked really well. But yeah, from what I heard to what I seen, I, I didn't think they were as impressive as what was made out. And that's not to say they weren't good. Mm. But I thought our attack was shit house, And we had certainly more than enough opportunity. Yeah, the attack was... was um, but I, like you said, you look at them, they're quality. Well, missed tackles, like double the amount of missed tackles. Mm. Errors were even, but yeah, penalties were 10-5. But I... I put like it, infringements 2-0, so really 12-5 in the penalties. Well, it was 13-5 in the penalties. We got yeah, smashed. Think, yeah. But I watched the Rucks and had a few mates message me who aren't fans of either side sort of say, you're watching this? I'm like, no, I'm commentating. They're like, well... Storm, four HIOs. Yeah, well, Eisenhuth passed. Young passed. Um, who else went off? Seve had one. And Liera had one. Yeah. And then Pappenhausen obviously breaks his leg, so he's gone. And the other one was Coates, who's in a moon boot. So for this week, they've got some question marks as well. Yeah, massive. But there's a real obvious one here, and we spoke about it. Full credit to Brisbane. I thought probably the best thing I saw when I was watching was just the aggressiveness across the field from them. Aggressiveness in their defense, aggressive in the yardage carries. Like even Herbie and guys like that throwing the footy at people and getting a bit shovey. I'm like, that's the one thing I've probably been waiting to see, just that last bit of dog. Because they're going to need that if they play Penrith in the grand final. Yeah. It's not going to be a matter of, oh, we've got the attack, we've got the points. If you have to get in a shit fight with Penrith and go punch for punch, you need a bit of dog in you. You do. Yeah. And it's not going to be as simple as, oh, we've got great attacking football. It's like, well, that that sort of part that I saw the other night gave me that bit of confidence that you're talking about to think, okay, if these two play each other, if they've got that side of their game and they can get a few attacking opportunities, this is going to be a ding-dong battle. Yeah. But, yeah, Reynolds was brilliant. <clears throat> um, that bench and those middles, like you said, re- really did a good job. And I think the real mismatch we spoke about before the game was out on the edges. And that proved to be the point. Yeah. Young got exposed a few times. I thought Seve actually did a pretty good job. But I think if you're Melbourne this week, regardless of what point was made, and I agree with Olin was playing dreadful and, you know, Remus and a couple of guys weren't playing that good. But I think this week, if you're Craig Bellamy, you just got to pick your best players. It's not time anymore for that. Um, unless Olin's busted. And again, I thought he still looked a bit underwhelming and a bit slow at times against mm-hmm. Brisbane in that last game. Yeah, but I think this week with what's happened, it's time to go all in. And honestly, I'd consider Sewer. 
Yeah. Like, I know it's a bit of a wild card there, and I'm not saying you can go off that other game because a lot of people carried on about, oh, look what he did in that game. Like, that's a Q Cup game. I'm not saying he's not going to have a good future, mm. but they know better than most about when, what's right for him. But in terms of a 14 spot or what happens with that back line, if Remus and him come back in and Young and Seve are out and Coates is out, I'd seriously consider either carrying him as the 14 or if they push Meany into one of those spots and put Sue at the back, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah. And same as the forwards. I think morale has got to come in. Um, you know, I think we just got to go with our best middles. I thought Tarek actually, for a late inclusion, did his job. Yeah, he did. Probably been waiting all year. Similar deal again for him to sort of be more impactful. But I, I think you fit that point for Melbourne now. It's just let's pick the best 17. Agree. Um, but for Brisbane, how good. Week off. Proven a point. Everyone's approved across the year. The nine was the big question. That's certainly been quelled now. I think you pointed out the other week that Smoothie does a pretty good complimentary job as well with the time he gets. Yeah, he was good again on the floor. Bam, Reynolds, great yin and yang. Walsh, we know what he can provide. I think one to seven, they've probably got one of the best backlines, if not the best backline in the comp. And then their forward pack keeps getting better. And across the year, their bench has sort of molded and changed. And I think now they've ended up with probably their best version of themselves. It's young, it's mobile, and it's multiple. Between Palacia, Kobe, um, Pia, Kura, and you know those guys can play middle and edge. Yeah. And they've got leg speed, they're powerful. So I think you look at it at Brisbane right now, you're not going to get a better opportunity to win a comp. No, you're not. Because like, yeah. next year, obviously, the, it's not an exodus. They're still going to be talented. But Herbie goes, Flegler goes, Palacia goes, and then like Penner, if they're going to be in one of these windows where you're trying to generate internally and keep filling those spots because people are going to come to market and try and get your players. Yeah. So for them, it's come quick, but this is the best opportunity they're going to get to win a competition. And they, I, yeah, I thought they were very, very good the other night. Um, but yeah, I think for Melbourne that was extremely disappointing, and yeah, I think uh, they said that Reynolds is already on modified training again this week. But you got to do what you got to do. If they've got to get him to the finish line, or that's what they're going to do with him, I think the only question we have there though is what the talk the other way. There'd be half of every team would be on modified training. Mm. It's just you don't hear about it because it's Adam Reynolds. Yeah, and Carrigan, um, mm. that foot injury. There was certainly no sign of that. He was great. So for them, I think there's no real concerns. Yeah. Two extra weeks rest, big year for representative football for them. They'll be fresh and fire, and it's not going to be easy to go to Suncorp, that's for sure. No, it won't be. No, so for either team. Full credit to them. Uh, moving on from that one, Panthers-Warriors, like I said this week, all that talk around Johnson, uh, sorry, around Tohu Harris potentially not being available, I thought was bad enough. But as soon as Johnson pulled out, you just put your pen through him. Oh, I didn't put the pen through him, but it was certainly got a lot harder. Well, I thought they acquitted they... themselves quite well, the Warriors, but... Mm. Yeah, Penrith were just too classy. I thought the time of the day the game was played, like I went and watched it live, uh, it certainly suited Penrith. Dry track. Yeah. It was hot weather hot after weather. the first half. Some went down second half, and it became a little bit more competitive. But again, it was, I think it was 20 nil at halftime. Like the game was over. Mate, those... Um, yeah, Penrith. I, I just thought Penrith, particularly on Penrith's left edge, you know, seemed to cause the Warriors trouble. They identified that Dallin Martins Lesniak likes to jam in and... Some of the catch pass from Steve Crichton was, um, yeah, world class to set um, set a few tries up down that edge. Well, you told me that, and I got to see them after the fact. If you're going to get two examples to frame, they're it. Oh, it was one was the catch it. pass on a two-on-one coming in where you could have dummied and gone, but perfect execution. The other one that was like in his face, hands That's hit square probably eyes. Probably the best pass I've seen all year. Yeah, it was absolutely... People might go, oh, Jesus. Put it in the loop. That's, that's a big... Uh, Big statement, but 
Yeah, I don't think people sometimes understand. Understand how hard it is to catch and then pass in the one motion. Was... Well, even eyes forward, hips, like none of his body was even selling that he wasn't going to do that. Like He was absolutely just beautiful. Yeah, it's classy. But yeah, really classy. I think, like you said, similar to what they went on that side of the field, they kept turning the ball back under. They really worked over their right, New Zealand's left. Um, Nathan had a field day, almost ran for 200 metres. But a lot of stuff come off his running game. Yeah. They attacked that new spot where Walker was, Barney was back in, Jackson forward, got Pompey as we've seen the last few weeks when he was with Metcalf coming up. That edge sort of opened up a few times. He got Martin off a back-to-back play of the ball where Cleary had a good run, got one himself late in the game off the back of a lot of the ball playing he did himself. Double pump, skips across, they just hold, walks his way through. Uh, but honestly for them, it was again one of those ones where I looked and thought they did what they needed to do. Yeah. I didn't think they hit top gear, but that's the scary part for Penrith right now. They no, still... they didn't. Second half was a bit of garbage time. Yeah, 32 points and never really looked, you know, threatened or uncomfortable. But there's gears there and to get straight back to a prelim again, another rest, put Tago back into the mix, get some health around some guys. And probably the big question, a lot of people keep talking about Lua. I don't think they need Lua. But I think he's going to play. Well, that's the question. If you do that, to me, then you have to have Cogger as your fallen. You can't yeah, carry Peachy or Sony or anyone. It's got to be Cogger. They played Cogger a little bit um, at nine in New South Wales Cup. Yeah, and they've so. sort of changed that 14 role during the year. They've given a few guys a go. But if you're going to carry him and take that risk, that has to be Cogger. Yeah, and then you're going to require Mitch Kenny to play bigger minutes. Mm. So, And then their bench, similar deal between your Garners, your Hoskins, and then Lenu's there. They've had guys that can sort of play edge, middle, centre. Yeah. So they're happy with what they've got there. You know that Fish and Louder are going to play big minutes. Yeah, I'll play 80. Martin will play 80. Sonnenson will play 80, so they're not heavily reliant on the bench. But if they go that no, route... No, I don't understand why you couldn't just play Cogger Peachy on the bench. Play both? Yeah. I'd, I'd probably prefer, like I said, to have Garner or Hosking and Lenu and a couple more of those guys rather than carry both. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll see what happens or how confident they are with Luai, but... Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, just. I honestly on, think if it's as bad, you need as, to be able to cover it. Obviously, yeah. if it's that bad and it's a, a risk to pop out at all, like I just don't take it. I think Cogger's like we spoke about at the start of the year. Unless you really know someone's background, he's not just your run of the mill backup. Bloke's a quality player who was yeah, in okay. bad situations. I, I think they can easily win it comp with Cogger playing. His contributions haven't just been. Oh yeah, he's he's done a good job. He's been more than more than adequate. Yeah, we're arguing about something we don't know. I'm just saying. I I, I think Luai's going to play. Yeah, I agree with yeah, that. I agree that you should be carrying Cogger. But yeah. how they structure their bench will probably need to change because you need to be able to account for the fact that you may need to interchange Lua. Yeah. Uh, they, who they have on the weekend? Lenyu, Lindsay Smith, Peachy, yeah. and sort of one thing with them throughout the year, they've really rotated through. They have, yeah. Sort of what they've had. Like at times it was... Sony, and then, like you said, it's been Peachy. They've had Ghana. I think it was um, Jamin Salmon. Was on Sam, the yeah, well, Salmon held that spot for a long time. Similar deal. No, I'm saying on the weekend. Oh, okay. So I, Smith, Lanyu. Missed that. Uh, Salmon, and who was the other one you said? Salmon was 18th. So he had Hosking, Lanyu, Lindsay, and Tyron. So Peachy, you've got Peachy. center. Yeah. Half nine, sort of multiple spots. Lindsay's purely a middle. Lenny's purely a middle, but Hosking they've used center back. Like how many minutes middle. did Hosking play? If you go to player stats, nineteen. You know what I mean? Lenny like thirty. That's that's what I'm saying. You've about given that. Hosking nineteen because you could really. They they don't lean on so their I'd, bench. I'd probably 
argue that you could use that spot for Cogger and just keep Peachy on the bench, but because mm. Peachy could play back row as well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. We'll see what happens. But they've certainly got options, and like you said, during the year because they've rotated through that, like you know, I'm, I'm not saying Salmon's out because he's leaving the club. That certainly wouldn't be the case. But I thought he was doing a good job at the start of the year. And same deal. Yeah. Center half five eight. Like they've got lots of guys that can sort of play that role, which is very handy. But uh, for the Warriors. You know, the, I guess the positives here, and they knew this all along, they're going home. they got a home final, and they're never going to have a better opportunity. Mm. So is it ideal to come in and have that? No, but Cameron George on the radio this week, he essentially said exactly what you're thinking. If it was an all-out have to win that week, Johnson would have been playing. Yeah. But he's like, this week, like Johnson's playing regardless. So you'd have to think off the back of that. Any risk there, it's worth taking. Yeah. If he hurts his calf and it's the off-season, well, whoop de do It's mm. a calf. It'll recover. But, yeah. yeah, chips all in for them. You can imagine a blackout. Um, they even mentioned to him about <coughs> the prelim situation and with the NRL, and he said, I completely understand if they wanted to move from Mount Smart, if we got to that stage. Oh, sorry, originally. Um, I'm or actually, sure, I'm not sure why they would. Or I, He might have been talking about this <coughs> week. I sort of might have misheard it, but they were talking about moving it to a bigger stadium. But by the looks of what I've seen today, it is at Mount Smart. Yeah, it is Rightfully Mount Smart. so. Yeah. So for Newcastle, hostile environment to go and do, that's for sure. Yeah. But see how the Warriors roll up this week. But yeah, a um, few guys. There was guys that definitely had a red hot crack, but going to Penrith minus a couple of players, especially two halves in two weeks, it's never going to be ideal. No. So moving on from that one, Rooster Sharks, I just can't believe. And basically, what you said from watching it finally afterwards, I could not believe the Sharks didn't win. And that's more on them. Not trying to take away from the Roosters because I thought they'd come up with some excellent saves and some huge moments considering what they dealt with and the reshuffle. And I thought the first half their goal line was under attack from majority of the half and they did very, very well to only let in six points. Yeah. And they looked, you know, rudderless in the first half with their attack. But for Cronulla, like, this is one of those big question marks again. You went bang, bang out the back door last year. You've had issues mid-year here. You've sort of got things back on track. You managed to find your way in the finals. You get to play at home. you got a team that's got two guys off for HIAs. They have another one late with Billy Smith with a busted jaw. They've reshuffled basically their edges. You've got a sin bin. You had multiple chances to score and they still get you. Like I just saw the longer it went, I actually had more confidence the Roosters were going to win. And then even in commentary, they're saying they're gassed, they're gassed. I'm like, I don't know about them being gassed, but Cronulla are looking more and more frustrated and it looks like the Roosters are slowly building more and more confidence regardless of how many bullets have been fired at them. Yeah. And then in the moment when Sandin puts that kick in where they've had two kick deflections earlier in the game go against them that led to the sin bin and a line break, like for that to land into Wong's hands and everything to come out the way it did was nuts. Yeah. But full credit to them. Sam Walker, what a game, what a return. Yeah, well, he's playing like playing good footy. Mm. Playing really, really good well, footy. Come up with a ripper pass for one of the early tries. Couple of big defensive moments. Ice the field goal. No worries. Um, you know, I thought Kiri had some really good moments. The charge downs by him and Tedesco, which were cleared by the NRL, were two fantastic efforts. And I know Teddy's effort across the night was pretty good. He'd come up with some bad errors as well. But yeah, Wong had some huge moments defensively. And in attack at the back end of the game. Sandon Smith, it's tough to get brought in and play multiple spots. Cheese had to play big minutes. I thought he had some good contributions from dummy half. Um, but they, as a whole, there's a lot of guys there, I think, that have come on at the right time. Like Tyrell, Tyrell Mays played some huge games the last few weeks. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Crichton, sort of some late contributions, but 
Um, yeah, they, they've just had to reach deep into the soul and find something, and they just keep coming up with it. Even, again, Pauga, his contribution as a late call-up and what he's been doing. Mm. Excellent, but um, cruel to see Manu blow his hemi. Like, you sort of always wonder when you come back early, but he'd had some good moments up until that happened. Sawali, self-reporting at halftime, those delayed symptoms, we've seen that before. That's always a difficult one when a player comes to you. Um, in that circumstance, he's out. And then Billy Smith, the poor bastard, we only said last week about having a good run. Probably the one positive I can say here is it's not a leg injury or like a limb injury that's going to affect him physically in terms of his performance. Yeah, It's a jaw. It's still not ideal. But to get to this point, put together the run that he has and build some confidence, it's unfortunate he's not going to get to play this week. But I'm just glad it's not like an ACL or an ankle or something like that again where it's completely rebuilding your confidence, your petrol, your running, your power, like... It's, it's a shit to get an injury, but um, if if you're going to find any positive, it's it's a jaw, something yeah. that can be stitched up. Um, have a good rest, have another big off season. He'll he'll be a massive contributor for them next year. Yeah, definitely. But for Cronulla, yeah, I just I question a lot of moments. Um, I thought there was a few times there they should have gone left. Still think, even with Trindle in there, that Nico at times still forces himself onto the ball. There's moments where things look like they're about to happen, and he almost sweeps in and just. Just too many unnecessary touches at times. Like I don't know if he feels like he has to overplay his hand, but it, at times it feels like sometimes he, I don't know, kind of stutters the attack. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. Um, and like the two field goal setups too, like they just shit passes. I thought. Yeah, but they also had no, get a second option. Mm. Most teams have like a left or a right. Part. Yeah, like but the problem just... was that they set up on a, too far on a post. You can't yeah. have two options. If you want two options, you need to set up in the middle of the field. Mm. So I thought, yeah, they muffed that both times. Trindle going for it on that last play as well. But I think that from him was a bit of frustration because a few times that they probably should have gone left, they didn't. The other thing, even in the Canberra game, I just felt, felt the depth of the kicker. It, to me, distance really will never be a problem. Accuracy yeah, is the issue on field goals. So take like go another five metres deeper. Mm. So just to completely eliminate the, the chance of a charge down. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Any, anyway, that that's that's my opinion on it. Like, I, the Campbell one in particular, the one off the scrum where Fogarty got charged down. Like, that's unforgivable for me to get charged down there because you're yeah. actually controlling the distance. That, that's of that free kick. free crack. Yeah, I, free crack. I would have been filthy on that one if I was Ricky Stewart. When I was watching that, I thought this game's over. I literally went back into the kitchen because I was about to get to work, and yeah. then heard charge down. And was yeah. like, well, like, how does that get charged down? And that's the second time. And then, and, you know. <clears throat> But yeah, in closing out on this one, you know, I've heard some Sharks fans go, you know, we shouldn't have taken that penalty goal. What about the left-hand side? Some were saying, well, McInnes' try should have been a try earlier on. Again, I couldn't see the ball. The ref couldn't have been in any better a spot. I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think it was a So try. that's one of those ones where, you know, when it gets sent up is what it was sent up and then you watch the replays, well, you know you're not going to get it. Yeah. Because you can't see it clearly. Like, if you want me to take a guess from the way he was laying, I think he did, but I can't see it. Yeah. So you can't give it. But as soon as that call is made, like we know, and there's any shadow of doubt, they're going to stick with the on-field decision. Yeah. So, like I said, they weren't going to get a better opportunity. You got them wounded, busted, sin bin. There was enough opportunities for the Sharks to win. And yeah, the Roosters emerged. So, moving on from that one. Last one, Knights-Canberra. Fantastic game. Absolutely fantastic. Ripper. Yeah, ripper. I think uh, when they scored that early try after being on the back for a little bit, maybe breathed a sigh of relief. But, my God, Canberra come after him. Yeah. Canberra did exactly what we said last week. They just played AMF between the two tram lines up the middle of the field. Fogarty, bar that, that's the issue for him, I guess, is 
the two field goal attempts and closing things out weren't great, but his kicking game and control for the rest of the game was fantastic. Mm. They just kept putting Newcastle inside their 20, down in the cage, ramping up. They beat the shit out of them physically. They and they earned some tries off that more so than their attack, which has you know, been an issue all year for them. But, you know, Jack, Jam and Gagai gets the error. Hudson cleans up. The Trey Mooney one's just a kick contest. And then late in the half, they finally got some just rewards for being dominant in territory, possession and winning the middle. And the territory game where Schiller, off that double lead, Jack gets the outside and creates that two-on-one. Going in at 16-6, I was sort of, before that try, thinking they haven't got enough for what dominance they've had. But... See, I, d- I disagreed. I, I didn't feel like it was going to be a, a game that had so many points. Mm. And I think that the part that we're about to get into now, that start of the second half where Canberra leaked, I think three tries in a row. Yeah. That's all... the period where they lost the game. Uh, you know, I know they had their chances in Golden Point, but yeah. you know, they've been so good this year at grafting games out and backing their defence. I felt that was the area of the game where Newcastle obviously had some possession, but... Canberra needed to do a better job there turning them away and being more resilient. And a couple of those tries were long-range tries as well, mm. uh, particularly down Canberra's left edge, Newcastle's right. Um, so I think that's the period that if they look back and review it, that that'll, that'll be the part that they're really disappointed in. Well, sort of the shot in the arm that Newcastle needed, cause not to say they weren't there for the contest, but they were on the back foot, but they certainly ramped no, up. they looked a little bit rattled. Once the uh, biting allegation came, and from that period there, they uh, they really come to the contest. They got a little bit of fu about them, didn't they? Yeah. After that, and then yeah. uh, a few of their leaders that were, weren't on the back foot, but they probably weren't to the level, I'd say, of uh, mm-hmm. Nos that Canberra were on. Canberra coming certainly with a bow under their bonnet, but yeah. from there you saw Frizzell and a couple of the Safidis and that really lift. Leo Thompson, and like you said, they had some great moments. Gamble, Ponga linked up a couple of times on that right hand side. They obviously had the one back on the left where they isolated uh, Fogarty and Fitzgibbon popped that pass. Yeah. Gamble getting the, the bounce kick there. Did very well to manage things and set Dom Young free. But him and Ponga really lit things up. And when they got that three or four in a row, you sort of sit there going, okay, that's the sledgehammer. They've dropped it on Cambridge's head. But credit to them, they just wouldn't go away. Yeah. 15 minutes to go. Frawley, very unassuming as we know, but throws the dummy, play five, gets over. And then last minute, Tarpane, who had a fantastic game. Takes that carry, offload to Whitehead, and then Starling, ex-Newcastle boy, sends it to Golden Point. And from there, um, pretty much exactly what we talked about, I thought Cardinal Sin, they missed the opportunity on the first field goal, but when they got the scrum opportunity, I, that, that needed to be taken. Yeah. Had to be taken. Yeah. And then the fact they didn't set up for the field goal, I don't know, Fogarty owned it and good on him, <coughs> that they kicked to the corner rather than having that crack, like that you've got to have a field goal set up there. Mm. So there's, that's the third opportunity that was missed, plus the two that were charged down. The penalty, people aren't happy about it. Um, and say they, you know, they put the whistle away and they don't blow it. But, you know, I think I'd probably go the other way this time that a referee finally did make a call. Yeah. And it's, I, I honestly, that's one thing that kills me watching I, this. I prefer I just, the extra. I know. I, just this one, I'm like, well, how many of the other charge downs were, were, were there people offside? Well, but, the NRL cleared the other two for the rule. Okay. Yeah, so, I, no, I'm, I'm not saying that I've yeah, seen it. in general. But what I'm saying is, yeah, you could... Oh, all you the analyse all of them, couldn't you? It's, yeah. And look, to be, like, to be fair, well done to the referee for having the balls to make the yeah, decision. exactly. Like, I don't want to second-guess the referee. No. Um, he was offside. Yeah. And that was clear as day, and he made the right call. And, so. and sadly, again, in that moment, Hudson Young, he had a fantastic game. He did. He'd yeah, come up with absolutely. a couple of other players, if you really watch, some try-savers, some good chases... Defensive, like he does, there's more small stuff. Don't look at the numbers. If you actually go look at the game and watch some vision, number 11 is in a couple of huge moments. Yeah. He had some big moments, but 
Um, I think that's sort of just Canberra season. They've been in a lot of close games. They won all of them close. They didn't have many big wins, but they certainly come in with the baseball bats. They physically dominated the majority of that game, but it was that period, that real 10-minute period that cost them. It was, yeah. The fact that they, so. they got it to Golden Point was amazing, but um, yeah, I think Newcastle in the end, off that moment and the fact that Canberra had multiple field goal up chances, I don't think they can complain about the result. No, they had more than enough chances to win that game. Agree. So, season comes to an end and it's going to be a bit of a changing of the guard there and then even looking at the numbers afterwards, which numbers aren't everything, but they won the meterage, they won post-contact. Newcastle, 16 errors, 50 misses. They were never going to get that opportunity. No. Like, no, spot on, mate. Mm. Spot on. It's a game that Canberra will look at and think, well, you know, we've only got ourselves to blame, really. And I, I think... To concede 30 points, you go, well, oh, we deserve to lose that game. In a, in a weird roundabout way, I think Hastings getting hurt was a positive, just in the sense that there's no question marks this week for them. Yeah. Clune oh, plays I, seven. Personally, I would have gone up there thinking, if we can keep Newcastle to four tries... Oh. We can we can win it if they score five. We're probably not going to be able to, and that's sort yeah. Of well, Canberra's attack hasn't exactly been yeah. Not so much that. I just think you know you could see how when Canberra were able to limit Newcastle's ability to score points and limit their possession and limit their field position, you could see how frustrated Newcastle became yeah. and they kept, they got off their game, and you could see the difference. And after that period that we we're talking about, where Newcastle went bang, 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 mm. the type of football that they then played and the attitude that they played with was completely different. Yeah. So it's it's not so much about controlling. You control the mindset. You control, you know, their ability to, you know, I guess, exert themselves on you and enter the game. And Canberra did a really, really good job to, to keep them out of the game for the majority of it, but yeah, just didn't defend well enough. Like I said, yeah, not I don't I'm not a bloody physio, I'm not a doctor, but to carry Hastings if they knew there was that chance to me not carrying Clun as your fourteen is crazy. Oh, I would think they would have had a plan around it. So I know they had man and it's I know man's yeah. sort of done that job, but to me to not have Clune there. But I think like I said, it is as ruthless as it sounds, I think it's a positive that he's it's just flat out out now. Because I wouldn't want to carry him again into a game like this where are they saying he's definitely out, are they? He's gone. Okay. Or as far as I saw, I, thought, from that I heard game, he, I heard he was in doubt. I didn't. I didn't think he was out. Yet. I thought they basically said the other day it was a reoccurrence of that injury, so he'd be definitely mm. gone. But to me, I think it's just clear cut that you, if you're going to go into a game like this, he has to play eighty. There can't be question marks. Yeah. So if that is the case and it's Clune playing, um, I think he's proven he can do more than an adequate job. But you can't be carrying people into a game like this week under that sort of cloud. Yeah. On the flip, some would say, "Well, you're an idiot because they're going to do that with Johnson," but you know. I think it's a bit of a different yeah, so situation. Adam Clune's ready, but Jackson Hastings is racing the clock. Well, there's no way I'd be playing him this week. Hmm. Given what they did with Clune and how they looked in their attack, I, I think waiting three or four weeks to see what happened on the weekend from his legs just colliding themselves, I'm not carrying like that sort of plan for Hastings to play no offense. Yeah. I'd just be going, we're going with Clune and the healthiest team we've got. Let's try and Johnson, they're saying he's touch and go as well. So Yeah. Injury concerns for both teams. So that, that could be a big factor. In significant but, positions, yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just that 90-minute game. Tough slog, 10 wins in a row they had in New Zealand. I think that's going to be a lot, yeah, lot to overcome. But All right, that wraps up uh, the reviews of that. Oh, sorry, to mention some players, I guess. Like, Yeah, I thought that's one of Gamble's best games he's going to have in his career. Um, Ponga had some good moments. Crossland went again. But yeah, I think the way that Gagai and a couple of guys responded after some bad early moments... Um, really positive but for Canberra Tarpany's been the rock 
for a long part of this season. Hudson, I thought it was a real breakout game for Matty Otter. He was very. He good. had some uh, big moments, and I think they need it because, to be honest, like this year watching Papa Lee across the year, I think I've sort of had some question marks over him at the back end of his career. Yeah. So they they need those guys to step up, but um, even Jack thought he had some good moments. The biting thing, I'm not going to go into huge detail about that. We can argue all day till we're blue in the face. Do I think he bit him? Yeah, I do think he bit him. If I'm being honest, people will make the argument, well, don't stick your arm in his face. We'll watch a bunch of tackles in a football game. There's arms around the head, face, eyes, face presses. You still can't bite a bloke. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit here again. Well, yeah, I didn't think he bit him. <clears throat> yeah, and that's my point. When people are debating, and I'm like, well, he's going to the judiciary. They've got video. But if you're looking at what happened to the NRLW, and then you're looking at what happened to that one, I think he's in trouble. No, I think, I think he deserves to go to the judiciary. Any biting allegation, there was a clear yeah. mark there. Whether it was that Jack bit down or whether it was that he would, you know, pulled his arm that hard into his teeth that yeah. they left a mark. I, I don't think you get that know. impression from just putting your arm in someone's mouth. I just, I find it hard to think that he would have bitten him at that point of the game. What? I don't think it helped when he ran up to him and says, what do you want me to do? It's sort of like, well, not bite him. <laughs> it's probably not helping you. But yeah, I, I don't know. I... You'll find out tonight. But I, again, I think... I, w- I went back and purposely watched the NRLW one because I barely saw it when it happened. But if I'm looking well, at that one... She got sent off and then got two weeks. Yeah. So even in-game people are arguing. I'm like, the in-game decision I'm fine with because... Proctor got four weeks? Yeah, that was pretty bad. Was the that last, one. He was, he was like, latched last onto one. Johnson's arm. Yeah, he I, full rot-wheeled him. I, yeah, I think, <laughs> he latched on. I think, um, I that, think he'll... That was he'll frustration. For, two to four weeks. That was frustration for playing for the Titans. He just finally snapped. He bit him. Yeah. He did the old Mike Tyson song. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, poor old Jack. He had, a, he had a pretty good game up to that point, but yeah. End of an era, like we said, for uh, the Raiders side of things. But that wraps up the reviews of those games. Let's uh, do the season reviews for the Raiders and the Sharks, brought to you by Sinclair, Hyundai, Penrith, Toby and the team there. Go visit them on the corner of York Road and Batch Street. Get yourself into a Velosta or a Tucson or a Santa Fe. Toby and the team there at Sinclair Hyundai Penrith, SinclairHyundai.com.au. Let's go the Raiders first. They finished eighth, third and an 11 record, 13th in attack, 12th in defense. When you look at those numbers, it's surprising they got in. But 30 players used, 6 and 6, there was their away record. Overrunner was 12 and a half. We both went over. They just got there. But it was the summary of their year. They lost a lot of games close. They won, you know, basically 10 by less than six points or around that mark. Four, sixes, ones. The biggest win was only 12, which come at the back end against the Dogs. Mm. No 13-plus wins for the year. Usually when you have a year like that, it goes one of two ways. You're either not right at the bottom or right at the top, which, again, looking at their attack and defensive stats, this year it's correlated that they're on the right side of a lot of those results. But they got touched up by Penrith and a couple of teams. Their four and against was horrendous. Um, they had a great response on the back of... The Jack White and Saga finally settling once they knew who was leaving. They went on a nice winning streak. I think probably the biggest thing for Canberra this year, and we said at the start of the year, there needed to be a lot of internal improvement. They didn't go out and sign a lot of people. They had a lot of hope for a lot of their players, and I think, unfortunately, people like your Trey Moonies, who only got a little bit of a run, Arthur only got a couple of games, your Schillers, like, etc. There was a lot of guys I expected to sort of push in. Um, a lot of them didn't really end up pushing in. They went back to Croker. Chris ended up being a big factor. Tomoko improved, but that sort of generation next for them, a lot of them didn't quite get to where I thought they would. Yeah, but a lot of those guys, you know, they've missed development footy over the last two or three years. So I think Canberra did a tremendous job to finish in the eight. Like, there's teams that finished outside the eight that you just think, 
you know, had far more talented and deeper rosters oh, than the Raiders. Para, so, Cowboys, yeah, South. So, if I, we're being honest, one of those three should Canberra, have definitely been in before Canberra. And then to go and do what they did on the weekend was yeah. ridiculous. Like, they should have won that game. So, I've got nothing but respect for Canberra. The, the thing that I'll say about the Raiders is they know who they are. Yeah. They know, they know what works. They recruit a certain style of player. Uh, and they're getting the most out of their players. They've got very good coaches down in... Canberra, I think, you know, what Justin Giddo did with their New South Wales Cup this year, uh, what their coaching staff are doing with, you know, sort of not so much their top-end players, but, you know, the, the guys that are sort of bench first graders into their New South Wales Cup, I think they did an outstanding job and uh, they got the most from what they had. And that's that's the art of coaching. That's the art of, you know, being at the top end at the, at the NRL level. Um, and, you know, Canberra have got, Canberra always going to have that issue of, you know, can you get players, attract players to go down yeah, there? Yeah, it has to be internal. The, but the, 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 that's exactly right. And they know who they are. They know that that's the way that they need to develop their players. And they know that that's the path for success. And, you know, they've recruited some very, very talented young players from Sydney. Um, Chev Stewart, the name, yeah, probably the Cronulla. one. That, yeah, from Cronulla. He's been unbelievable at New South Wales Cup mm. level this year for an 18-year-old. Well, two years ago, Harold Matts. Now he's yeah. like, playing he's men's playing football. He's playing Cup like, at a high level. He'll, yeah, uh, more than a high level. I think he'll he'll crack into first grade next year, ho- hopefully for him. So th- there's a lot of positives at the Raiders. I think you're only going to see them improve. They may have a year where they, like you said, they may lose a couple of those close games and they may not make the eight. But, you know, at the moment, I, I can't see them moving from where they are. Like, well, they, they might move to 10th because, yeah. like you said, you know, the Cowboys and, it, and South and Parramatta might get their act together and jump them. But, yeah, it's... But it's that process you just said. When, you, when you're internally developing, you might have to have, a, not a down year, but, but that's the thing one of those like, years where you, you've got to push a couple of guys in. So, yeah. like, if we're sitting here right now going, all right, what's Canberra's spine next year? Which is the question we had at the start of this year, why I had them finishing 7th or 8th. Like, I, well, there you go. I had 7th, they finished 8th. I think you had them just inside as well at 8th, maybe. I had them 8th. So, we basically nailed that, but we literally said it. Who's their hooker? So, they played Levi, he got injured. You know, Trevelyan got some games at the end. Wolford, Starling, they sort of rolled through that. Yeah. Jack got pushed out of 6, now he's leaving. Frawley's moving on. Schneider moved on. The only mm. piece of this spine that's left over is Fogarty. And his manager's now indicated that they're going to go to market, but they like Canberra. So they're interested in Canberra. Mm. But I sort of looked at that one and thought, well... End of next year. Yeah. So I sort of looked at him though and thought, well, again, I don't know if anyone's going to pay you mega dollar and where you are is a pretty good situation. But I'm more looking at spine and it comes down to that. You might have to have a little bit of a down year or development year because Chevy Stewart's now extended until 2026 or something like that. Um, You know, if they hold on to Fogarty, do they not hold on to Fogarty? Strange, Ethan Strange, he debuted in the centres. He come yeah. through playing six, fullback. Like, what's his best spot? I think the easiest part of this is, like like a lot of clubs, they're in the market for a key position player. 100%. No doubt about it. And then but, Xavier Savage, you know, had high hopes for him. Injured early in the year, missed a lot of time, didn't really come in the frame. So I think question for Canberra coming in the next season is, what's their spine? So Frawley's leaving. Schneider left. Gone, gone. Fogarty's the only piece that's solid and left over. Yeah. And then again, Chris... Played at fullback. Does he go back to fullback? He talked that he could move him to six. They extended him until 2026. Yeah. So the biggest question for Cameron next year, still a great forward pack. Papaletti will be back. I don't think he's playing at the level he was, but, you know, Corey Horsburgh, Hudson Young, Whitehead's still playing pretty good football. He probably exceeded what I expected from him. Tarpany's one of the best front rowers in the game. If Gula and, and like I said, these guys, Mooney, all get to where they are. Mariotta, you've got a hell of a forward pack. 
you got dynamic young backs, Schiller, Timiko, Chris, Kotrick was injured a lot and up and down. But what's your what's your spawn? That's the question. Yeah. So Canberra need to answer those they, questions. They'd certainly have an idea on what it's going to be, and yeah, they'd certainly be targeting players, no doubt about it. I'm sure they there, there's going to be movement because yeah. every club at this time of the year says, you know, you're free to negotiate elsewhere, and that's when the merry-go-round starts. Well, there's one huge piece here, and a lot of clubs are interested. Teams will say, well, yes, I'll take you for this amount. They yeah. they agree, and away you go. So as 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 much as people say, well, there's you know there's a lot of people on contract, there's a lot of pe- a lot of people off contract. There's also the avenue of mutual release, and a lot of teams will mutually release a player to go somewhere else. A because they don't want them. B because they think they're overpaid. C because they may have a younger player pushing up underneath them, and that opportunity that you thought was going to be there is no longer there, yep. and they're happy for them to go somewhere else. That merry-go-round started probably a month ago, mm. and it will continue until you know right up until Christmas New Year. And I'm sure again. The market's pretty bare, but they're going to sign somebody. They're going to have to. That's what I'm saying. The market isn't bare. Maybe from a contract perspective, the market is bare, but the market is not bare in in the internal, um, you know, goings on at a rugby league club. Mm. So everyone's top thirty is always moving. If Chris is going to be playing six, obviously he needs a full preseason. If he's at one, well then there's a competition, I guess, with Savage and Chevy Stewart, and what point he comes in. Strange, like I said, plays six centre. One, what's his best position? I don't know. Um, they're obviously going to keep working. On another middle, young Clydesdale. They've got Asamoah as another young outside back. So, said the similar thing in the off-season, uh, pre-season. I think outside backs, forwards, they've got no problems. It's filling in your spine positions to get to that next level and what they can do there. Yeah. Um, thought Taff might have been on their radar, whether they talked to him or not. He obviously chose to stay in Sydney. They were linked to Ezra Mann the other week. No surprise about that. I think a lot of clubs are going to be linked to Ezra Mann. That'd be a hell of a player to sign. Yeah, uh, but the Fogarty one, whether he goes to market or not, I think he'll find out in the market that the interest will be so-so. I don't think anyone would be really dying to get Jamal Fogarty. Yeah, so I the think. only the only signing that Canberra have had is Simi Sasagi. That's yeah, it. Simi Sasagi similar and deal. They've lost Croker, Frawley, Schneider, Valame, Whiten. Changed the they've guard. Obviously, up, upgraded some guys into the top thirty based on those losses. So mm. and changing of the guard with Jack and uh, going out and Croker going out, which frees up some money. So they definitely got money to get in the market. Mm. But in terms of who's off contract, like we said, for those other season reviews, there's bar like you said, someone becoming available. Um, it's more bit players or signing guys that maybe haven't met their potential yet and seeing what you can do with them. Yeah. But I think similar deal that they're gonna look more internally again and it's just about growth. And then next year with that money, they're gonna go out and try and find a key piece. But Mam is a good target to be after. I, I agree with that, Chase, that's for sure. Yeah. And Brisbane, like I said, there's going to be pressure on them to keep signing guys. Walsh needs an upgrade. A few other blokes are going to be after some paychecks. So people like Ezra Mam, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to him taking less to stay there um, if he wants to stay. Yeah. Or a club blowing them out of the water. But, yeah, I think uh, we'll watch with interest. But real positives. Um, like I said, Chris this year, I thought Rapana... For an older bloke, had a fantastic season. Still going good. He did. Got some yeah. brain snaps in him, but you got to admit at times, uh, his football's still great. Horsburgh, I know it didn't end the way he wanted, but you know, for him and Chris, it was probably career best years and come to a new level. Yeah. Hudson, flat after origin, but a great year by him. And Tarpanay, I think you understand why they signed Tarpanay for as long as they did. Yeah. But Canberra probably got to where we thought they should. Sharkies finished sixth. Attack, they were sixth. Defensively, seventh. 14 and 10. They used the least amount of players in the competition, only 24. Away record was seven and five. Owed under was 15 and a half. We both went over. It was under. 
Uh, I think this year for them, similar deal was more a hope of progress for what they had. They didn't sign a lot. That Oregon come in in a couple of fringes like Atkinson and that added to their squad. Um, you know, early on, you're looking for Mully, Katoa, Nikara, Kennedy, Trindle, Wilton, Hazelton, Braley. It was all sort of a young group, a developing group, mixed in with what they had. Um, they stuck to their guns with Moylan. Didn't like the fact they signed him for two years. And as the year went on, it became more and more apparent that they're heading away from that. He's now linked to France. Trindle comes in at the back end along with Tracy when Kennedy gets hurt and they sort of steer the ship after hitting a flat spot. They get themselves into the finals, but again, they're out week one. And I sort of look at them here and think, like, in the NRL, it's the most obvious thing in the world. Everyone gets angry that they didn't win, but you can't win every single year. It's impossible. They're still in a good sort of phase here where they've got a lot of guys sign up long-term. They've got a really young team. It's growing, but I thought they've wasted half a season playing Matt Moylan, in my opinion. That's just my own humble. Trinnell finally gets in, but then moving forward, the other big part, we've talked about this multiple times, I'm going to keep talking about it. To me, they don't have a key strike forward. Like Dale Finucane was signed for leadership, but for money in the years, what he's bringing, where they're at now, you know, uh, I don't know if you're getting value for money. I think McInnes is a similar player, but more leg speed. You got Hunt, Uwele, Rudolph, like Hazen and on the out. I think you probably got really good back rowers. Wilton was great before he got injured. So I think in that department, you're pretty well set with him and Nicara. But I, I look now at someone like Dale for the next two years and sort of think, well, you know, if I'm paying him $700,000, I'd, I'd probably rather go out in the market. It's hard to get one of those guys, but I think they need a Tarpany or a Haas type kind of player, like a big, real gun middle. I'll say this. Look, the two teams with the worst defensive records in the top eight got eliminated on the weekend. Mm. It's defense. They've got enough attacking weapons there. They play a good style. I think Trindle's a right piece moving forward. Agree with that. I don't know whether they wasted half a year. In the end, they, they had the right team at the right end of the year, uh, right time of the year. They need to fix their defense. Their defense needs to be better for longer periods of time within games. And look, on the weekend, you know, to go down 13-12, your defense was obviously good enough in that game, but I, I thought they lacked the killer edge with 20 to go. I thought they, they froze up. They took two points when Tedesco was in the sin bin, which I thought was a mistake. They were on top. I think there was about three and a half minutes left of Tedesco's uh, sin bin time. I thought they should have tapped and gone and tried to win the game there. Uh, or at least, you know, not, not that you would have won the game there, but at least make the Roosters chase, you know, two tries where, you know, they kicked the goal, which I know was a safe option. Yeah. Six-point lead, kick off, away we go. But, you know, I thought the Roosters from that point looked fairly comfortable because they knew it was only one score game. Mm. And from that point on, I thought the Roosters looked comfortable and the Sharks looked nervous. And, you know, until they get over that hump, win a finals game and find that killer edge in an elimination game, there's always going to be that nervousness at the back end of close games in the finals. And I think where you eliminate that sense of nervousness is by, you know, playing that nice attacking style that they play, but also being able to competently defend teams for long periods of time in big games. And, you know, let's face it, the Roosters haven't been the most brilliant attacking team this season. So I, I just feel like that one that one on the weekend was a massive one that, that got away for... Corral. For the Sharkies, yeah. Well, I, again, look at them, like we said, lots of improvements still to come. It's a young group. They haven't added anyone. Yeah, of course. I think they're middle. They need to yeah, really I, sharpen their middle defense up. Yeah, oh, I think that's probably the big question we've said multiple times. Fitzgibbon's gone there with the defensive side of things. If anything, we've seen more on the yeah, attacking yeah, side. Yeah, like, you know, that's like saying, well, Serraldo, you know, Canterbury should be defending 
better because of Serraldo. To to an extent, that's right. Like coaching has a huge impact, but you know, players experience mm. that also has an impact as well. But yeah, Oregon went this year. The other signings, like I said, were more fringe, but there's still a lot of improvement. All these guys are on contract. There's not going to be a lot of movement. The only off contracts, Jaden Beryl, like there's not going to be lots of people reaching out for him. Um, there's not many backup hookers around, but you're talking about a 27, 28-year-old guy who's, you know, playing cup. He'll either stay or go. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good player too. Um, Marwen Harotti, I think, again, good veteran, but they've got Stone Street and a couple of young kids, hmm. so they're not going to break the bank. For somebody like that, and the only other off contract is Wade Graham, who retired. Other than that, 27 of their side are locked in. So, like I said, they're in a really good. I didn't realize Stone Street was so young. He played Mate, flag on the weekend. Stone Street played against us when we had the boys at Tigers. Hmm. He's a baby. He's a gun. Very good player. He's a very good player. So, you got him, still got Eero. There was talk he was going to leave for another year. Bradbury, who they picked up from Newcastle. Atkinson, who they extended for multiple years. They're in sort of a sweet spot, but like we said, there needs to be that next step taken. But I don't. It, it, it's it's either going to come internally or it needs to come from the open market. But the one big glaring hole for me is just a real gun forward leader. Like I, again, I, I like your McInnesses, I like your Finucans, but between those two, Hunt, Ueli, Rudolph, like yeah, they got a couple of guys that can dent the line. They got a couple of toilers, but I think they're really lacking one outstanding class middle. Yeah, and if they had that sort of piece in there, um, to go with. Trindle, Nico, Braley, and then you've obviously got Will Kennedy at the back, who a lot of people are saying at the back end, oh, would you go with Tracy? I'm like, well, no. One's a lot younger than the other one. He's a very good player. I think he'll end up on the market. He's got a year to go, but Smart Bike and other again, they locked him in. So they don't have to let him go anywhere. But they've got outside back options. They've got a pretty solid forward pack. They've got one of the better young back rows in the comp, and they've got a good spine, I think. Mm. But can they get to the next level internally? Or if not, they're going to have to go to market next year. And try and solve that problem. Yeah. But that one thing for man, it's not, a, it's just purely my own eye. I look at him and McInnes and think, I think you can only have one of them. If you're going to pay that sort of money for leadership, I think at this point now, after the growth they've got, um, I think that part's there. I think that's sorted. They've got enough leaders per se. You've built what you want to build. You've got a good group, but you now can't have money tied up in two guys that do that job. I'd probably lean towards McInnes for health and concussion reasons compared to a guy like Dale, who's still got two years to run. And that sort of money is the money I want to go out in the market and try and find that guy. Will that happen? Probably not. Mm. But I think next year, if it's so-so and it's the same spot again, um, it's something they're certainly going to have to look at. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, minimal movement. No one signed to come in. Wade, Harati, Beryl are off. Like, there's no one really going out. They're pretty much going to have the same roster again. So yeah. that plus their kids. And like you said, you've seen their cup team between your heroes, your stone streets, this, that, and the other. There's certainly players in those spots. I think Healy's young like the hooker. I've heard some good things about him. Atkinson showed he can play fullback or halves. So they're in a sweet spot again where they've got good coverage. Plus Tracy can play fullback. Just, yeah, can you elevate? So, um, I'd say from where they ended up, it's pretty much on par if they would have got to week two. But yeah. compared to the start of the year, they had one of the best draws. They were origin unaffected. I'd, I'd say they've maybe underachieved a little bit, but yeah. Just uh, if they miss this sort of window when everyone comes off contract next time and people are interested in young players, well, that's when uh, question marks will start to come up. But I think we're still 12, 18 months away from that point. Absolutely. So there you go. That wraps up the Sharkies for us there. Let's preview these two games that are coming up on the weekend. 
for bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, make sure you do it with the true blue bookie. And like we said, only two games to have a look at. The first one is Friday night down in Melbourne with the Roosters and the Storm. Uh, this one without lineups, they're going to be available in 20 minutes' time, but we won't have them obviously while we're on air. Your big question mark is what we spoke about before. Who are they going to be playing? Uh, obviously, we know that Manu is out. Suwali is out. Uh, who was the other one? Billy Smith played the rest of the game with a fractured jaw, the tough bastard, so that's three. I know they didn't play Allen on the weekend, but if you're looking at things at the moment, Tedesco is going to be at the back. I'm sure Pauga is going to be on one wing. You probably have Allen in either in the centers or on the wing, and then they're in a spot where with what's available to them, you might have to push either Hutchison in the centres, which they've done before, or you have to push Wong and Crichton out to cover those two spots. Yeah. And then if you're doing that, you've got to start with Egan and Nat in the back row, and then you're probably putting more middles on your bench, which they've got available, whether that be a Baker or an Arpa. They've got bodies on that side, but they certainly don't have OBs. I heard people saying they should bring in Alan Fitzgibbon, who I don't even know if he's part of their setup, or if they're allowed to, are they? He's not in their development or their top 30. I don't even know if he's one of their players. Robert they, Toyer's the young kid they I all love. They, I think they snipped him. Robert Toyer just tore his ACL, the poor bastard. I think Fitzgibbon was actually playing for the Roosters yeah, in the South Wales Cup. Yeah, the Bears. Well, they, well, that's actually... They're not allowed to actually send him to the Bears. Yeah, so what exactly. they had to do was... Cut him. Release him and then have the Bears sign him. So... Because they don't get portability, but that's the way they found a way to... And who was the other one I was going to ask? Jackson Pauler. Did they release him? Well, he's coming to... Manly. Manly, But yeah. I saw he played last round for the Roosters Cup team. So if he's still available... Played against us he's there. a few weeks ago for the Roosters. So it's he's one of the only other bodies that got available. Yeah, I'd, I'd be using him. So, Absolutely. Yeah. But they've used Hutchison before. I think defensively going to Melbourne, you couldn't do that. No. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely play Wong out there. He's young, he's fast, he's big. He's played that in rugby union. He did a good job on the weekend. That's I'd certainly have him in. Yeah, I'd like to keep him in his position, though. Yeah, I get that. But I'd I think, be bringing Paulo in. And... I think you got more coverage with what they've got at the moment for that spot um, yeah. compared to Hutchison being out there. But, yeah, we'll see what they so name. So, Far Logo has been named in the squad this home for... Sua. Sua Far Logo, yeah. Oh, yeah, they've already mentioned a little bit. I'm just yeah, having a look on the website just to see if anything has actually been said mm. um, prior to 4 o'clock, as you said, because we're still 15 minutes away. Yeah. Um... I think, let me have a quick look at what they had last week. Is their forward pack. They started with, bloody these ads always pop at the last minute. Who did the Roosters have to start with? They had Egan play prop with Collins, Wong, Butcher, Radley. I, I think they'd be more likely to yeah, push Angus in or Terrell, like just sort of push up on their middles that they have. Corey Allen was 18th, he's automatically an in. But I think one of those back rows is probably going to have to go to the centres. Yeah. But I'd go Wong before I pick Crichton. Um, and then, yeah, you can have Baker and a couple of those boys play in the middle. But if your edges are open like that and then you've got small guys in Sam Walker and Luke Keery, you know what Melbourne's going to be trying to do. I think it's one of those games where they're more than likely roll Nelson to an edge and try and play at one of those guys and try and pull one of those edges apart. Um, but the Roosters certainly won't go away. They've no. pro- proved the last few weeks they're up for it. And these two hate each other. They always have good games, so... Regardless of bodies, I think it'll be a good game. For Melbourne, we also don't know who's available. Question marks over the HIAs, but the sounds of what you said, Sue is certainly going to be in. So from what he's just said there, I'm guessing he's the 14. That's probably more than yeah, likely. It hasn't, yeah, he's just saying he's going to be in the squad. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd be guessing that we'll see some change in the centres. Uh, 
I think this week it'd be more than likely either Remus or Olin back into one of those spots. I think he, if he's going to stick with one of them, he'll stick with Seto. Mm. But I think Young's time's certainly done. If Coates is out, well then, yeah, he's definitely going to have Remus and Olin in, I think. Unless he picks Sura on the wing. He played wing and cup for a lot of the year from fullback, and then he moved there to allow uh, Pappenhausen to play on return. Certainly a different style of winger, but you could use him still as a one in the kick returns or in attack and swatch, swap him from the wing. Hmm. But forward pack-wise, maybe one or two changes there. Eisenhuth uh, in that pass, but I think he has to get Morel back in that rotation this week too. But given, I think there's more question marks for the Roosters, and again, without seeing the lineups at the moment, I'll be going with the Storm at home. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. Question marks, like we said, but just think uh, less questions than what the Roosters are dealing with at this point in time. And if that's not enough to get them home and they get beat this week, I think that'd be a bit of a failure considering what they've done this year. Um, but for both these teams, I think, uh, unfortunately, whoever goes to play Penner for the next week, I can't see it ending very well. But the odds with bluebet.com.au, the Melbourne Storm are a $1.30 favourite. The Roosters, $3.50 outsider. Ten and a half is your start. So... Still a fairly wide margin, but I guess, like I said, with so many question marks, the bookie's not that confident in what the Roosters are going to give this week. Uh, the second game, you've got the Warriors against the Knights without knowing about Johnson. I'm assuming, again, if you touch or go, I think he's going to play. I think they'll push all in. Regardless, I know a calf's not really something you can needle or manage, and if it goes, it goes. But, um, yeah, knowing they've got Walker on the bench, playing him, to start with, whether it would be with Martin or do they go with a Volkman instead of like a Lussick, which they've used on their bench at times for extra cover. I don't know, but going home um, off the back of last week, full stadium. First home final since 2008. Yep. Newcastle, often 90-minute effort. Um, whether yeah, they On even... Sunday. Yeah. Mm, on Sunday. What do you mean on Sunday? Well, the fact that they've they've had to... They've had yeah, the short extra turnaround day. and travel. Longer, yeah. Well, Warriors play at the same time the day before. Yeah. And they've both got to travel. And they had a private plane. Which they've is both got to travel. Yeah. They've got an extra day, longer game, more grueling game, yeah. and uh, extra days recovery yeah. and home field. That's like... Frizzell, Cop the Knock, Ponga. That's the other one. If Newcastle win this, like, the, the oh, odds huge. are absolutely stacked against them. Huge. Absolutely stacked against and them. That's probably one I forgot. I thought Ponga at the end, whether he was milking it or not, copped a bit of a knockoff. Yeah, camp. that's a hard Laden one. got up and I was yeah. sort of like, mate, if you're doing that for the penalty, don't. Because I said it earlier, if you do that shit and they cat one you, it's on you. That's the thing, yeah. Don't do it. And that's why they brought it in, to get you like that. But when I saw yeah, it... Yeah, but I think in that case, they go to an independent doctor and get it. Well, as soon as I saw it, I thought if he's doing it, he needs to get up because suddenly <laughs> he sprung to his feet. Yeah. And I was like, well, if that's what you're doing, don't play that game. Yeah, no, you don't want to play that game. Do not right. play that game. Because yeah. I know a lot of stuff happened on the weekend that would have got penalised or probably binned earlier in the year. And we know the rules are a little bit different. But in that moment when I saw him go limp, I thought, well... If you're going to risk it, you better hope they don't flag you. Yeah, but, um, yeah long 90-minute game. His shoulder's still a question mark. I think New Zealand will uh, certainly go after him, whether they risk Hastings or not or play Clune. For example, went off and come back on with a knock, but 90 minutes, grueling effort, like you said, extra day. Warriors flew home private to get home nice and quick straight after. Yeah, um, I think, again, it'd be I'd be very surprised if the Warriors aren't the winners in this one. The other thing is pressure on the Warriors. Well, that's probably the biggest thing for them. There's no pressure on Newcastle. They so, won last week. They're 10 in a row. They're just rolling. Yeah. So, you know, if they were to come it's over here... probably and, more a mindset thing here for the Warriors. Mm. But and I, if Johnson doesn't play... Well, that, that, that would be the big thing. If he play, doesn't play or plays and gets hurt early, 
and Newcastle have got anything left in the tank, well, I think this could be very interesting. Yeah. But with with what we know at the moment, I'm I'm definitely sticking with the Warriors. And I'm hoping for a much better response in their last three home games. They they made them nice and tight. I think this is the time they need to explode. Yeah. So that's the way I'm leaning. Uh, you're the same. And with bluebet.com.au, the Warriors are $1.50. The Knights are $2.60. Five and a half is the line there for Newcastle. And the futures now at bluebet.com.au. I don't think it's any surprise. The Panthers, $2.10. Brisbane now, $2.50. That's basically, I think, what they're saying is that they're going to be the grand finals. too, yeah. Because your next line of odd is Melbourne at 12. So they're not confident in anyone else getting in the grand final. And probably with good reason, the Warriors, 14. Newcastle, $19. How, how they've got the Warriors behind Melbourne baffles me. Well, yeah. I don't know what's maker, but... Well, Brisbane, Penrith, Cornella. I the Warriors ahead of Melbourne in Premiership, eh? Yeah. Brisbane, Penrith, Cornella, no surprise. $1.60. Do so they understand Melbourne are going to go and play Penrith? Exactly, and that's what I was looking at here. Brisbane, Melbourne, Grand Finals, five fifty. New Zealand, Penrith, Grand Finals, probably the only real one out of these with any value to me. That's $7. And that would be them, obviously. What's Brisbane, Penrith? Brisbane, Penrith, $1.60. Yeah. Uh, Panthers for the hat-trick, same price, obviously. Two ten. Um... But yeah, no surprise that the odds at the moment are basically telling you exactly what they think. Yeah. That those two teams are the teams to win and beat. And I know this is a long out market, but I know a lot of people that somehow bet at the start of the year. Early Clive Churchill prices, like Nathan Cleary is already shorter than what most people are in the grand final. He's $4.50 yeah. to win the Clive. Adam Reynolds, 8. Walsh, 8. Yo, 12. Like it's just basically Brisbane and Penrith players and then nobody else. Um. I guess just to quickly finish this off at the back end here, the other leagues, uh, the NRLW women's is pretty much all sorted, but there's a final spot on the line this weekend. Yeah, Bortho. Bortho and the Raiders. Bortho and the got Raiders. got to play so to get in. Cheering for them. It would be a huge achievement for him to get into the finals first year, particularly with the top four in a 10-team comp. And so. a new, like new side. That's so what I'm you saying. Know, yeah, together. Mm. Um, so for them, you know, it, it's been a pretty good season. The NRLW, I think, has actually been pretty good. This year, that expansion, I think it's been better than what people hoped. They were yeah. hoping the gap of talent wouldn't be too bad. Okay. I, know. I haven't watched a lot of it, but I will now. That well, I know Paris had a bit of a rough run this year, but they've been a contender before. They were in the grand final last year, weren't they? Yeah, they were. So yeah. they're you know in the recruitment side of things, but I think all the new teams flashed some good signs. Like Sharks recruited well; it hasn't been great, and Dragons started poor but have come good. But yeah, your Roosters are the red hot favourite, along with Newcastle, um, the Titans. Well, Newcastle beat the Roosters on the weekend. Didn't mm. they? Those yeah. two. Uh, you know, the teams to beat. Yeah. Roosters are fairly stacked, but Newcastle we saw last year. You know, I think even for them, they would have taken some uh, some real joy in the weekend because Millie Boyle was up there with them and Adam Elliott, and then she moved to the Roosters and beaten them. Southwell up in those girls there. But yeah, Raiders this weekend. Who is he playing? He's playing the Titans, is he? Titans, Raiders, yeah. So they have to win to get in, and Brisbane are there as well. So it could come down to... Well, actually, it won't come down to four against. They just have to win. Yeah, win, they're in. Well, what about Brisbane, though? Brisbane are there. If Brisbane win, they're four and against is better. So if Brisbane beat the... Yeah, but Raiders will jump Titans if oh, Raiders beat Titans. If they win by... What's the point difference? The point difference moment? is exactly the same, isn't it? No. It's 23. So they're going to have to beat them. Beat who by what? Titans are plus 14, but yeah. they're on six. Raiders are minus nine. So they're going to have to beat them by a margin to get in. Yeah, like 12. So it's all to play for. For them this weekend. Uh, for that last spot. And yeah... Otherwise, finals uh, will be Broncos, Titans, Roosters, and Newcastle. New South Wales Cup. Rabbitohs first team in. Yep. 
Warriors smashed the Raiders. So they, they play, did, yeah. The Raiders just ran out of players. Yeah, they took a few players off them again. So it's Bears this weekend. Well, it's not just that. Like, they lost three against us the week before. Yeah. So not only did they lose some up, they lost some out of their actual team. So yeah. So it's Bears. They were scraping the barrel against us, to be fair. Yeah. Bears are playing the Warriors. Yeah. Um, if Johnson's back and the Warriors are in their best shape, I think the Warriors will be going to the grand final. Yeah, I think North. so too. So Norse will lose four in a row and go bang, bang out the back door. And this is the thing with Norse. I know a lot of people have been all over Norse, but um, they did a fantastic job recruiting a squad, which was good enough to finish minor premiers. But once the team sort of got their quality players back, it was always going to be a bit of a battle because they're not getting... How's the Queensland Cup a week? They're sort of getting their... Um, they're getting a little bit of a feed, but yeah. Mm. Not a full feed. So, yeah, I'd be tipping the Warriors in that one. But I think Nick, uh, Norse will be very competitive. Yeah, and the Queensland Cup is a week ahead. So, Winner Manly and South Logan, who had been red hot all year. I think South is Logan. Is the grand final this week? Yeah, well, it's a week early. I so, think Stucky's team got through, didn't they? So, South Logan had all the Brisbane players. But with the resting and that, they've gone out. Uh, Falcons went out. But the Burley Bears, who are probably the most consistent team of the last decade, they smashed Winner Manly 57-8. Yeah, so cool. they're in the grand final and Brisbane Tigers who have got four or five Melbourne boys they beat Capras in a close Click one Click on the winner Manly Burley game I think Stuckey was playing for winner Manly Josh Stuckey Yeah In the back row for him or on the bench Josh Stuckey number 12 yeah, okay. So they're out But yeah they're gone skis but they had Corey Jensen Jock Madden Hoyter a couple of the Brisbane boys yeah. they got rolled uh, Burley have been a group Destroyed. Stuck together for a long time. Sammy Salima, who I played with at Canberra, and a lot of those boys, ex-NRL squad guys, they've just stuck together. Yeah. Um, and then the Titans boys that are fed back in, they've been there or thereabouts. But yeah, Brisbane Tigers, good result for them. Uh, I think them and Sunny Coast sort of <coughs> found their way in late. But grand final a week early. More than likely, if you're going off the table, Burley were first and dominant all year. Um one, we're not better off than the Tigers, but you'd be thinking maybe Burley will be coming down yeah, to play. I haven't watched any of it. So there you go. Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cups. So that'll decide the state championship, the NRLW, and obviously NRL finals are sorted. But thank you, bluebet.com.au, for those odds. Remember, if you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with the homegrown bookie. And just remember... What's gambling costing you? For free and confidential support, call 1800 858 858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. But that'll wrap us up for this week. If you're interested in the NFL, like we said last week, everything's sort of in process now through Apple and iTunes. The 4th and Inches NFL podcast is available. Look for the Facebook page, our social media, and have a listen in if you're a fan. But for now, that'll wrap us up for this week. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. 
Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.